God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the Bible is a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident. And I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, that's that's a bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. When we think about hearing God's voice, we often think about the time as we're sitting in a church or singing worship on a Sunday. But God can speak to us anywhere at any time. So what happens when we hear God's voice outside of church, when we're going about our everyday activities during the week? Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Well, welcome to the show today. It's great to have you here. Our guest today is very well equipped to answer these questions. He's a nationally recognized prophet with over 20 years of experience, and he calls himself a marketplace minister. With one foot in the church and another in the business world, he's the executive pastor at a church in Sydney, Australia, as well as the head of several businesses with his wife, Nicole. Welcome to the show, Pastor David Balestri. Thank you. Great honour to be uh, on the show and really excited about uh, talking about this topic today. It's so good to have you. At this moment in time, we're both stuck in lockdown, aren't we, David? What's been the Mm, highlight of lockdown for you? I think Sydney has been in lockdown for, what, 15 crazy weeks? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, almost. We by the time we emerge, definitely. Um, I, I mean, lockdowns a challenge, but um, uh, I'm an introvert, so I, I tend to like my own my own space. So I, I really enjoyed um, some of the extra time that it's given me back because you just can't do certain things. You can't go to a restaurant. You've got to stay within your LGA. So I've actually found um, uh, more time to probably sit a little deeper. I like to read. Um, I like, I've been, um, I took on a project, I'm a bit of a doer, so I took on a project to uh, write a parenting book while I was in lockdown. I thought I might as well as achieve something. Yeah, so that's been, <laughs> um, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Well, you're an interesting um, character. We haven't actually met face-to-face yet, but I first heard mm. of you, David, through a mutual friend, and he um, is a pastor, mm. and he said, oh, we had David Blestry at our staff retreat, and he's kind mm. of a, a prophet and a, a consultant and a business person. I'm like, oh, that's a really unusual mix. Yeah. And now having met yeah. you, I thought, wow, you've just got so much wisdom and and experience and an interesting uh, journey to bring as well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like, for example, how did you come to know God? Sure. Um, I grew up in a um, in a family where my mother uh, loved God. She was a beautiful, you know, lover of Jesus, an intercessor. Um, and my father was the opposite. He didn't like God <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, just sort of, so it was chalk and cheese. And um, that, that, that probably proved a little bit of a conundrum for me in my teenage years. I I, you know, I had a soft heart like my mother, but 
uh, also, you know, from a role model perspective. So I got into a bit of trouble as a young teenager and um, I was quite, um, I mean, I'm a kidpreneur, so I started my first business when I was 10, you know. <laughs> oh and uh, so you could just imagine, I left school when I was 14 to become my father's business partner. And, um, but I, I, I probably, you know, I'd say I was quite, quite wild. Uh, and then in my late teens, around 17, um, I started dating a girl uh, and this girl was a Mormon. And, uh, you know, just out of conversation uh, one night with her, I tried to ask her about what, what that was, didn't really understand what it was. And um, so anyway, she couldn't really tell me to be truthful, you know, because I said, she asked me what I was. And I said, well, my mother goes to a Christian church. So I think I'm, I think I'm Christian. <laughs> and um, anyway, I, I went and asked my mother, because uh, my, my mother was, you know, she's an avid reader and I knew she she knew everything about this sort of stuff. And my mother made me a deal. I was 17 and she said to me, I'll agree to, you know, tell you about Mormonism. But she said, the first thing I want you to do is, would you read the Gospel of John? Would you read the Gospel of John? So that my mother, this is how my mother explained it to me. She said, so you'll have a context for when we have this discussion about the differences, you know. I thought that was a pretty simple request. And I, I tell you what, Tanya, I'm sure that the moment I started reading the gospel, my mother and my grandmother, who were two prayer warriors, I think they fasted, prayed, stormed heaven every night, because somehow, for some reason, as I began to read the gospel of John, it, it opened up to me. It was, wasn't like reading a book. I literally had an encounter with the gospel of John. And, and I came to that part in the book of John uh, where, where the woman caught in the act of adultery is thrown at Jesus's feet, and two revelations come to me. Remember, I'm a, I'm a rebellious teenager, sort of been around church, but two revelations come. The first revelation that comes is that Jesus is God in the flesh. I, 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 I knew it somehow in my heart, not my head. The second thing I knew was that I more identified with the woman caught in the act of adultery than any other person. And so, remember, I'm reading this for the first time. Uh, my, my thought was whatever Jesus does to this woman will be how God will deal with me if I ever open my heart to him, not knowing that Jesus is going to rescue this woman, restore her, and send her forward to a new life. So when Jesus does that, uh, I'm alone in my room, and I bow my head and I just surrender. I, I, I just literally surrender my life and I say, God, what you did for that woman, would you do it for me today? And that becomes the beginning of that salvation journey in the Lord. Wow. Uh, so I powerful? came to Christ reading reading the Bible, <laughs> reading the book of John. It must have been a relief when you read on and realised that Jesus wasn't about to throw rocks at you. It, it it was it, it the mercy the goodness of God yeah. that leads us to repentance. Yeah. That's, That's amazing. That what was, a great that story. Was that. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I love it. Your mum must mm. be very smart. Get you to read the Bible she, because of a, a um, of a of a date. <laughs> you could imagine. You could imagine. I never told her that I did that. I kept it a secret for a couple of weeks because, but I, something had changed. The, the yeah. sky was bluer. You know, the grass was greener. I I almost thought that. I could hear the voice of God, which was crazy notion to me. It was crazy notion because I was like, no, it, it, you know, and so I'm wrestling this for a couple of weeks until 
one Sunday, uh, I invite my, my, I take my girlfriend with me and we go to my mother's little, little church, little school hall church. And when that minister, I don't even know what he preached on or what he said, but at the end, when he said, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, would you come down the front? I, I, I was the first one down the front. My oh. girlfriend followed. Oh. Uh, we both surrendered our lives to Christ then, and uh, she she became my wife. You know. Oh, what a great story, 30, David! Thirty years. I yeah. was hoping you it's weren't going to say, and then we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's, look, it's, it's the Hollywood. It's a Hollywood ending. It's a very good ending. I never tire of hearing yeah. those stories, you know. Every person's mm. situation is so different, but when the spirit opens yeah. your eyes and it's just profound. So you're yeah. a Christian now, and how did you get yes. from 17-year-old Christian running mm. to the front of the church to being a marketplace minister slash business person, consultant, writer of parenting books? For heaven's sake, what else? <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's a long. It, it was a long journey, a long process, um, to be truthful. Because um, one of the immediate conundrums that that hit me after several so a couple of years, I'd been saved and wonderfully discipled by some beautiful people, but then I'm in this church culture now where. Um, uh, you know, there's the promotion of spirituality and and the things we know about church, but I'm like I said to you, but I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm I'm in business. I'm a definitely a marketplace person, and I start to feel a real fire of God inside of me for to serve God. And many people say to me, Dave, we think you're called to ministry. We think you're called to ministry. But the definition of what that means is is in a certain box, which was about we think you're called to, you must be called to be a pastor or to work in the church, which I, I, I love in the sense of, oh, wow, that's amazing. But then I'm trying to think about but what was all that entrepreneur stuff about? Like d- does that stuff now just fall to the ground, which, you know, and which begins a very long process and a great struggle and a wrestle uh, with the scriptures uh, in in prayer, crying out to God to really help me to understand what he wants for my life. That that becomes a huge dilemma, like a big, a big question that I I didn't know at that time I was going to wrestle with it for over a decade. Um, but eventually, you know, in my 30s, uh, early 30s, come to a place, I believe, of revelation that then, you know, opens the door to to now become this prophetic consultant, you know, to CEOs, to politicians in the marketplace, in the church, you know, this 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 manifestation that comes into my world. So So um, how does that work? What does that look like? You're sitting in a meeting with a CEO, what does it mean? to be a marketplace mm. minister or a prophetic person in that space? Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, one of the first, that there's some paradigms that have to have to be reset, first of all, for you to come into this, because if, if you operate in a sacred and secular type of thinking, which this is my secular life, work, business, whatever, and then this is my sacred part, which is church, 
prayer meetings, all the rest. If you live in that sort of dualistic understanding and you read the scriptures that way, you're going to struggle to even think about how can the prophetic, how can that be actioned in a non-Christian or non-spiritual environment? But the reality is that, you know, even in, in the Hebrew language, there's no word for spiritual. Uh, the reason there's no word for spiritual is because they don't think in sacred and secular dimensions. Everything is sacred, you know, uh, everything. I mean, David David in that psalm, he says, um, if I if I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I, One of the translations says, if I make my bed in hell, even there, your presence goes with me. Like if uh, one of the definitions of secular means God void, where God is not. Mm. Even hell is not secular. God's presence is a, anything that, that anywhere that God's presence is, is a sacred place. So is God in the boardroom with me as I'm sitting across from a CEO bringing strategy around the business or the organisation or whatever it is? The question I always have, is God's presence here? And if God's presence is here and I'm an ambassador of, of, of the gospel, then, then of course God wants to minister the gospel through me into this moment. The wonderful thing about it is this, that the principles of the kingdom, which aren't just, by the way, for church, the principles of the kingdom are for how we how we operate economically, how we operate inter, interrelationally, how we operate business. Like you think about the integration of, uh, of, of the kingdom. So then all of a sudden when a CEO is across from me and he's speaking, he's asking me a question about, David, we're, we're struggling with our team's performance. You know, we just don't know what to do. I can bring a kingdom answer to that, a principle of the kingdom answer to that. The only thing that I've got to do is I've got to speak in a language that he can hear or she can hear. And usually if they're not Christians or they're not church affiliated, that language is not church It's um, respectfully, it's marketplace language or if you want to you know, go a little harder, it's Babylonian. And um, Daniel is able to speak Babylonian to Nebuchadnezzar when he delivers the testimony of the kingdom to him. And Nebuchadnezzar declares that Daniel and his friends are 10 times more outstanding than any other Babylonian, not any other Jewish boy, any other Babylonian that he had met. And you know, I mean, we could talk about this for a long time, but, you know, Daniel is a, Daniel and, and also Genesis with Joseph is an interesting template, I believe, for the voice of God in the marketplace. Um, Can yeah, you give me an yeah. example of how that's worked for you in your marketplace? Yeah. So I was a, a senior manager in a multinational company in a logistics uh, um, a situation and uh, we had a real challenge. Um, we had a challenge because it was a unionised environment. It was quite militant. And this particular company, I won't say which company it was, had a very um, archaic form of leadership uh, for their executive managers. They had this thing about, well, if the guys aren't well, working hard enough, then push harder. You know, it was almost like this adversarial thing. So I'm the meat in the sandwich. Ex corporate is saying to me, push these people harder. The union is pushing back saying, hey, we're not going to be bullied. You know, you can't push the guys harder to work harder. 
So I'm in the car park one morning dreading going in because I've got 300 guys on my shift. I've got 14 direct reports and I've got to deliver some performance. And so I start crying out to God saying, God, get me out of here. That was the prayer. (laughs) Get me out of here. And I felt the Lord really arrest me in the car park and say to me, David, I'm trying to show my glory in this moment and you're telling me to get you out. I put you in there because I've actually got a kingdom answer for this. So I pray, I pray, thinking that this elaborate strategy is going to come. Here's what I hear God say. At the end of the shift, when the guys go to clock off, I want you to stand at the exit door and I want you to thank them for their for 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 their work. You know, thank them for coming in, thank them for their work. Now remember, there are 300 people on my shift. Do you know how long it takes to say thank you to 300 <laughs> people? So I, out of blind obedience and desperation, thinking, God, either you're telling, I, I couldn't imagine the devil telling me to do this. So I, I stand at the, the clock, or the, the exit, excuse me. Initially, the first day when I stand there, the, the shift, the guys on the shift aren't happy because they think I'm spying on them to make sure they don't leave early. But as they leave, I say, hey, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. You know, so I'm thanking them. And they're all looking at me really weird. You know, they're leaving. And I I said to the Lord, okay, I did it. And I felt the Lord say to me, keep on doing it. So every day at the end of the shift, three o'clock, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, the interesting thing that happens, I remember, I mean, I think we were about four days in and my 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 direct report, my manager comes to me and he said to me, David, there's a rumour that you've been thanking the guys at the end of the shift for coming in. And I said, yeah. And do you know what he said to me? He said, do you know that we pay them to work? And I said, yeah, I, I know that. He said, you don't have to thank them. I said, I know I don't have to, but I want to. He said, okay, do whatever you want, but I'm just telling you, you don't have to. Do you know, within 30 days, my shift became the premier, the 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 best performing uh, uh, um, team in this multinational company. And their results were so outstanding that HR ended up coming down and interviewing me, asking me what was this radical strategy that I was using to get these results because no other manager could get that performance Mm. out of the guys without, you know, disrupt, without a union issue. In the end, I ended up, they invite, HR invited me to write the induction manual for all the, all the managers that were going to be hired. So now when a manager is hired by this company, they have to do my two-day induction, which what I did, Tanya, is I wrote kingdom principles. I wrote about how to, how to honour people, how to, um, how to understand, you know, how to invite people into, um, you know, great work life and uh, how to hear people, you know, like just really it was, I didn't think it was radical stuff. I just stripped any oh, the scriptures out of it because story. I knew, you know, yeah. and, um, and and that became, you know, one of the testimonies of God I in the marketplace. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows what to do. He, he, uh, he so, certainly yeah. does. And I, I just, as you're saying all that, I thought, oh, that's mm. just like a pastor at the, the, the doorstep of the church. There you go. You can <laughs> pastor your own workplace. I love that story. When, could, could you imagine? I mean, I, I so agree with that. I think that, I think if we understand that everybody's in ministry, I mean, you know, gee, there's so many ways. Everybody's in ministry. Uh, I, I say this, in every region there are a 1,000 pulpits empty 
and they're not in churches. They're in business houses and workplaces. It's just, and and the, and they're assigned to the believers. It's just that it's different. How you would preach, how you would preach in a church is very different to how you would share the gospel in a workplace. So true, David. We're talking mm. with Pastor David Balestri about hearing God's voice in the marketplace outside the four walls of the church. We'll be back with more in just a moment. When Jesus walked the earth, he said his people could recognise his voice and follow it, and that we've been given his spirit to speak to us wherever we go. That means hearing the voice of the spirit is even better than having a coffee with Jesus. Yet so many of us do not experience his voice that way. What does God sound like? And how can we know if it's him speaking? That's why my team and I have developed a whole range of online resources that will help you in your God Conversations journey. There's blog articles, podcast videos, and an ebook designed to equip you to recognize God's voice. And they're all available free at godconversations.com. Become a part of the growing community that hears God's voice and follows it by signing up to the blog today and receiving fortnightly updates straight to your inbox. God wants to speak to you today clearly and personally. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. We're back with Pastor David Balestri. You know, David has at one point been called by a business person a futurist. I thought, how fascinating. David, why would they call you a futurist? Yeah, um, it was interesting that when the Lord invited me out of, uh, so I was in uh, enterprise in the hospitality industry, uh, then I had a little bit of a sabbatical from being my own boss and worked in corporate life for about eight years. Uh, then I got the promotion, what I thought was the promotion of a lifetime in, in the corporate sphere, uh, by, a, by, by the way, by a boss that didn't like me, didn't like that I was a Christian. And, um, but nevertheless, he, he gives me this, the biggest promotion. Uh, you know, it's that thing about even your enemies, God will cause them to bless you if you're on assignment. And um, so I come out of that because I feel the Lord say to me, David, I want you to be a prophetic business coach. Back, this is 13, 14 years ago, there weren't many doing this in the market. And um, But I feel the Lord speak to me and say to me, once I, I took that plunge, that I wasn't to coach Christians at the start. And I said to the Lord, now that's a mystery to me. You're asking me to be a prophetic business coach, but don't coach Christians. Who am I supposed to prophesy to? And I felt the Lord say to me, you're going to prophesy to non-Christians. You're going to speak. You're going to you're going to speak my voice to them in a way that they're going to be able to hear this. So I have to learn how to uh, hear the voice of God and and communicate what God is saying uh, to my clientele who aren't Christian at that time in a way that um, you know <laughs> makes make sure that number one they stay my clients and number two that they don't think I'm some religious nutter. So I just start. That's I just start the Lord. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it was it was no old King James. No. It was it was things like and it would be things like um, uh, so we'd be talking through a particular problem or a particular situation going on in the company, and I'd say something like, you know, as you've been talking, I get this image, and then which would be I'd have a prophetic thought, but I'd say to them, look, I've got this image. Can I share it with you? And so I'd share whatever it was that I felt the Lord was saying. I, I didn't say, thus saith the Lord. I just said, 
I feel like, you know, you, we're talking about, you, you think the problem is here, but I see that over here there's these things going on and many times the executive or the CEO I was speaking to would say to me, David, you know, we haven't discussed that part of it yet, but you're exactly right. I can't believe that you picked up on that. And then, you know, many of them said to me, Dave, you must be, you must be like a futurist because a futurist comes into a company and is, their job is to try and project the future of where that company needs to be positioned. Most people, um, you know, just sort of left it at that and said, oh, well, look, you're obviously a futurist. We, we, we love that intuitive space. Some pressed a little harder and said, how do you do that? And, and, and that would invite a really interesting conversation about, you know, I'm a believer and I actually believe that God speaks today, which was new to them. And, and then, then even the thought God would speak about things to do with business, like not religious things. Truly, does God have something to say about that? So I'm in this boardroom and um, a developer, big developer, and we're talking through a, a significant deal. And right in the midst of it, he says to me, David, uh, you know, I know you're a business guy. Of course, that's why you're here. He said, but I, I've heard that, he said, somebody told me that you know things about people. And I said, <laughs> oh, really? And he said, yeah. He said, um, he said actually, I, I got told that, that not only do you know things, that it's, it's got to do with this God space. And so I, I was there with another, another consultant who's, who was a believer. We weren't there as, you know, church people. We were there just as consultants. And um, the guy says to me, could you show me how this works? And I said to him, oh, okay. Uh, he's asking me to prophesy, you know. And I said to him, well, what would you, uh, you know, how do we start? And he said, tell me, tell me some things about me that, that, that you wouldn't know. So I'm praying, like, just as he's speaking to me. And I said to the Lord, would you show me some things about this man that I wouldn't know out of any natural? Give me a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. I'm just open, whatever you want to do here. So I start saying to this guy, as you were growing up, this is who you were, this is what happened. So he starts laughing and he says, he says, oh, this is, this is ridiculous. He says, but I'm, I'm still a little bit of a skeptic. And I said, okay. And he said, Can I, could we push this a little further? And I said, sure. Remember, we're there to do a deal that's about a quarter of a million dollars. And so we're not there for this, but he's really open. He says, I'm going to bring in one of my secretaries that you've never met. You've never seen her. I said, I know you've never seen her. And I said, when she walks in the door, I said, I want you to tell me about her. Can you do that? The other, my friend, my other Christian friend, he's kicking me under the table as if to say, back out now. You know, don't, don't go. <laughs> danger, danger. Because, yeah. But, you know, Tanya, the thing that I've really, I've really come to just trust and know, I'm not representing myself in those spaces. Like God's going to show up or, or this isn't going to happen. So for me, there's no, you know, I'm just like, okay, let's do this. So he brings in his secretary and, and, and he tells me her first name. You know, I can't remember what it was, Rebecca or something. So I start prophesying over Rebecca. Remember, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I said, Rebecca, you're this, you're that. This is this is your temperament. This is what you do. Well, her eyes start opening up. And then she gets angry. She actually gets angry. And she says, 
Why have you guys been talking about me? I thought you guys are here for some other business deal. What's it got to do with me? And so now he's, this boss is trying to explain to his staff member, no, 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 no. <laughs> we haven't, I haven't told this guy a thing. This, you know, this, this is what he does. He's trying to tell him this is a spiritual thing. She's going, no, I don't, you, you've been talking about me. She, she wouldn't believe that, that I knew all that stuff or that somehow, you know, God knew that stuff without her. You know, she left and, you know, really what happened was that 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 guy really began to trust us at a whole nother level. And um, I've had many, he's a very significant guy. I mean, multi, 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 sort of millionaire kind of guy who continues to call on me to have a coffee every once in a while. And, you know, it's always under the premise of business, but we always, it always leads to deeper conversation. Like he, somehow he goes, he, I think he's attracted to God in in that space. So um, that, no, that I fun. think I think what you're saying before that uh, each one of us who have the Holy Spirit have access to the right. voice of God, the God who sees ahead, who sees the unknown, who yes. and you know I think David, you are obviously an expert in this area. This is your thing. But every mm. son and daughter, young and old who has access to the Holy Spirit can be that sense of sacred presence of God in the office, yes. in the boardroom. But I really like mm-hmm. what you were saying too, that that you're constantly asking the Spirit, like even in that moment at the other job, yep. um, God, mm-hmm. what do I do in this moment? And expecting the Holy Spirit to come alongside and then be that wisdom for us. I wonder if... I wonder if why some of us don't have these kind of stories is because we don't ask for it. What do you think? Isn't, yeah, isn't it interesting that Paul, of all the all the gifts of the Spirit, in Corinthians he says, um, eagerly desire that you might prophesy. We, we read that and then we immediately throw that into a church context and we say, oh, so when I go to church, I should have an expectation if I'm, you know, inclined this, I should have an expectation that God is going to speak prophetically in the service, in the worship, and we we, we put it in the church box. Paul says, eagerly desire that you might prophesy. The testimony of prophetic ministry in the New Testament is that 90% of it does not happen in a church setting. Yeah, well, the happens book of in Acts. the marketplace. The book of Acts happens in the marketplace. All, none of that is in the it, church, it, is it? Absolutely. And, and it happens in in radical scenarios. When Paul goes to Greece, this is a bit controversial. When Paul goes to Greece, and they, you know, the philosophers and all the rest bring him up to 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 the square, the philosopher's square, and they want to sort of hear this, you know, him preach the gospel. He he uses an idol that they have in their city, the idol to the unknown God, and he prophesies the gospel to them through an idol. He says to them, you know that idol you've got to the unknown God? He said, I'm going to speak to you about this this God that is unknown to you, and he gives them the gospel, and he says he's closer than your breath. You know, like like he preaches the gospel through an idol. I mean, that is... That is radical. That'll get you yeah. kicked out of church. He wasn't being syncretic. He was, he was trying to find an avenue to, to preach the gospel in a way that they could hear it. But, you, you know, in the way sometimes people aren't necessarily rejecting Jesus in the marketplace. They reject the box, the religious box, that we want to deliver him to them in. 
Jesus is beautiful. The kingdom in the marketplace is outstanding. We just don't know yet. We, we're not, we don't know yet how to really present that. But it really does. Imagine on Monday morning if you went as you're driving to work and you said, Lord, as I'm at the as I'm at my desk, as I'm as I'm interacting with people, Holy Spirit, I pray, would you speak through me? Just in conversation, would you speak through me? Would you drop some words of wisdom, word of knowledge on my heart? I mean, and and then help me, give me the words to speak, give me, give, make me Jesus at the well with the woman at the well. You know, he doesn't prophesy straight away. He asks for a cup of water. They come into a conversation. She invites him deeper. He prophesies her heart like that. The woman at the well is a template for marketplace prophecy. What we want to do is we want to prophesy straight up before we even say hello. Yeah, and I think think it's just being very normal, isn't it? And, you know, having those conversations with God, God, what what do you want Mm. me to say? What's your ideas here? What's your wisdom here? And then expecting that the Spirit will actually bring that wisdom as we go about our everyday business. David, I heard oh. a story. I, I don't know what you think about this story. Mm. Tell me what you think. I heard it about mm. a guy, mm. and this is a legitimate story. He had a yep. dream and he saw some mm. fluctuations in the stock market. Okay. And then the next morning he, you know, moved his stocks around mm-hmm. and voila, mm. made quite a few. The, ul- the, the ultimate insider trading. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yep. And um, yep. he's like, oh, praise God, you know, I really needed that. Do you think when it comes to the the spirit and yeah. business, do you think that's um, the kind of story that that's normal, or what do you think about that story? Is that yeah. what kind of expectation we should have when we have the Holy Spirit? I mean, God knows the future; He sees all the possibilities, sure. and He sees things that we don't know. We've got an inside hotline. What kind of template should I have for my expectation yeah. about what the Spirit will say to me, particularly as it relates to the marketplace and business? Mm, I love that. It's a great question. Uh, I've got a story about that. But Deuteronomy 8.18, uh, you should remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get the wealth, right? So that, this is the second part of this verse is so important. So you should remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get the wealth, so that he can establish his covenant in the earth. I think that we sh- we we should have an expectation of God um, leading us that way if we seek first the kingdom, right? Like th- th- there's a real that that's the that's the real litmus here because if we're just thinking, well, God is a cosmic genie, a cosmic sugar daddy, um, what we've done is we, we we're perverting something because we've actually put ourselves or we've put a carnal thing before the kingdom. Jesus says, listen, don't worry about anything, but he says, listen, seek first the kingdom, seek first the king and his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and everything that you need to move the kingdom forward will be added to you. So so does God want to speak to everyone about the stock market or, or crypto or whatever? Uh, the answer is no, not necessarily. It has to do with depending on what the assignment on your life is, like depending on what the assignment on your life is. I, I have some I have some clients that um, operate in the realm of hundreds of millions of dollars. These are kingdom business people that steward that sort of wealth. Um, does every, should everybody, is that everybody's called? No. Uh, some people, a million dollars would, would distract them and destroy them. 
uh, because it's not part of their calling. Seek first the kingdom. I, I, I think when we seek first the kingdom, that God wants to do color outside the box. <laughs> um, uh, do, you, do you want to hear the quick, the quick story, the quick? Um, oh, please, and we'll finish with this one. We'll finish on a high. That sounds great. So, um, so I had a client. He, um, God spoke to him in the late nineties to in, to take money out of his business and invest in gold. So he on the stock market. So he buys gold, and within a short span of time, gold just jumps like accelerates. Then God speaks to him again and tells him when to sell it. So he sells his stock and makes a, a bucket of money. God speaks to him and said to him, I want you to put that money aside, park it, because I have an assignment for it, and that assignment is not yet manifested. So he parks the money and he waits. Several years later, the money's parked there. He hasn't touched it. He, it he's got the fear of the Lord on it, right? He hasn't touched it. He meets a young man in his nation. This is in Europe. Meets a young man in his nation who is... Uh, has a ministry of rescuing young people out of addiction and, and crime into this program called Life Centres. And, um, and and the young man is, is aspirational. He's looking for, they want to create like, um, they want to buy properties so that they can really uh, reskill re these young men and women into great lifestyle and, you know, all this stuff. The Lord speaks to him and said, that money is for this man's ministry. So what he does is he says, but you're not going to just give him the money. You're going to partner with him. So he speaks to this young man and he says, listen, we. I feel like the Lord has, you know, I have the money. I feel like the Lord has given me the money to begin to out with this thing. He has an appointment, a providential appointment with a government official in that nation. And they speak about the ex concentration camps that were used in the war to kill the Jews by the Nazis that are sitting dormant in that nation and that are a scorn to the nation. He tells this politician about this idea about these life centres, the government sell the concentration camps to him, which mm. he buys with the money he made with the gold and wow. they turn them into these life centres. So. Incredible. God wow. can do that, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, mm. I love that. So much long-range planning now and so much oh, redemption. It's, a, it's magnificent, right. David. Yeah. What, and what a yeah. great reminder too that when we're consecrated to God's purpose yeah. in building the kingdom, seeking yeah. God's kingdom first, then we understand that God speaks in that context. I think that's a real safety measure for us right. as we approach these kind of things because you can hear those stories, can't you, and mm. people mm. are motivated mm. by by the wrong things. David, it's been such a joy to speak mm. to you. I'm sure you have you. lots more up your sleeve. How can we find <laughs> you in your ministry if some of our listeners are out there and they're just keen to hear more from you? What's the best place to find you? Sure. I think a um, couple, of, couple of channels. So Marketplace Invasion, if you Google that, you'll, my website will come up. There's lots of resource and access from a kingdom perspective. I try and put a lot of um, uh, links there that you can go to. The other one, if you want to sort of uh, look at more what I do from a consulting perspective, if you're curious about that, it's called Elite Human Development. So if you Google that in my name, the website will come up and you can see some of the work that I do there. That's an open market website. In other words, you won't find Christianese in it, um, but, but you'll understand how I'm bringing the kingdom or the principles of the kingdom uh, in the language of the marketplace rather than a church language.
Brilliant. And I think particularly if any of our listeners feel called to entrepreneurship and business, um, then you'd be Mm. a great connection just to follow on what you're doing, glean from your resources and your books. And we'll certainly put all those links in the show notes that you can jump onto at godconversations.com. David, bless you heaps. Love your ministry. Love what you do. Enjoy the rest of lockdown. It's been fabulous talking to you. (laughs) Thank you, Tanya. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast app. And remember, the Holy Spirit was given so we could all hear God's voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.